And uh, so today we're talking about how do we know that I'm in the right church, right? How do I know that this is the church for me? How do we know? <laughs> so this is this is a question. I didn't know if you wanted us to talk or not. You, you have... It was just the lull. I'm like, do I talk? No. <laughs> Thank you. Tell Abigail's back there. So, um, so one of the things that you'll see is that a lot of people don't know, and a lot of people today, uh, because they don't know, they're easily displaced. So, in other words, the devil can throw a few lines at them, a few deceptions, and they actually leave the church that they're at. And then you have some churches that honestly aren't churches, yeah. but they got church on the sign. And uh, amen. Hello, what we receive. <laughs> so we, um, we, there are churches that uh, aren't actually churches, but they call themselves church. They might even be a part of the denomination. But you're looking for several things that the Lord has told us in Scripture what to be looking for. And there's a lot of places that people literally need to leave and go to another place that actually is a church. Of course, what we look at in uh, the word church is you see that word ecclesia, and that is a called-out group of citizens called out from their home to set the rule and the law in an area. That's what ecclesia means. That's the original Greek word that Jesus used when he defined the church. And I find it very interesting because he didn't use a Hebrew word that's foundation was Hebrew. He used a word whose foundation was Roman. And so one of the things that you see is that Jesus came in what is said in Scripture, the fullness of time. He when the Romans did several different things, the Roman Empire actually had a lot of parallels and similarities to the kingdom of God. And this is, again, one of those things. And so when they got to the place where they saw the Roman culture, they were able to use this as an example and this as an example. Um, so another one is that r- almost everybody up until that empire in, uh, in history you would see that they would go, they would invade a land, capture all the people, take the people back to their homeland as slaves. But in the Roman Empire, they they said, these people know what they're doing. Yeah. They know their land. They know what it will produce. We'll set, we'll set basically somebody to oversee the land. And, and yes, it's under our empire, and we'll get the resources from it, but we're going to leave them where they know what they're doing, right? Which is brilliant. That was a brilliant plan. And uh, you see that in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the base is heaven, but we are sent as ambassadors to oversee the spiritual things that are going on in our area. So that, that is one of those parallels. This is another one where Jesus said he's establishing the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a called-out group of citizens. Now, we do see, because a lot of people, and, and I want you to see this, because a lot of people think, well, if we get together, you know, we're the church. That's true. That's true in a sense. But not. it's not completely true. Right. And, that, and that's where people have to watch it. It's like, yes, we are the body of Christ, 
And where two or more gather, Jesus says, there I am. So we can go to Walmart and, in a sense, have church. But anytime you have, quote, unquote, church, one of the first questions you want to ask is, okay, who's ordained by God to be the pastor? Right. Right? Who's the pastor? And, and God doesn't ordain like three or four of them, and all of them make decisions together. That's not how any time his leadership has worked. He will set one person, a man or a woman, in that position. He will, he will separate them into that office, and, and then that person will lead. He'll give that person vision, and that vision will be passed off to other people. Yeah. And so what you see is, you know, you, okay, well, we had church in Walmart. Okay, who was the pastor? Who was the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher? You know, um, and it's, it's like you're not actually having what you're supposed to yeah. be doing. What you're saying is we had good fellowship in Walmart. Christ was there, the Holy Ghost was there, and parts of the body was there. Uh, but that's not the full definition of church. You're missing quite a few ingredients to have it. Well, I can have church out in my you know, tree stand. You know, no, you can't actually. You can have a fellowship with the Lord, right. but you can't really have church. You know, first of all, it's a gathered mm-hmm. people you know, called out from their homes to gather together. Yeah. Now, you could have that in a church building. You could have that in a field. You could have it, uh, you know, in multiple places, but it's they are called out from their homes and they gather together to, and we see this in Ephesians four, to grow in the word, to minister to the Lord in in Acts thirteen, and and you see that they are to increase in their ability to discipline themselves, win souls. And they're supposed to be see the fruit of God. Yeah. And he will give us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to oversee that and cause the increase to grow. And then set the rule over the area. Well, how do we set the rule? Through prayer. Yeah. We set it through prayer. So we pray out things into this area. We declare with our authority as the body of Christ over an area and we set the rule over that area. And so this is, you know, this is what's supposed to be happening. So if we have the wrong idea of church, if we have the wrong idea of church, you can see that the production and the fruit will not be what God said it was supposed to be, right? So, for example, if you have people that don't come out from their home and gather together, not church, not church. If you have... Uh, somebody who calls himself pastor, but God actually did not put him in that office, not a church. It's not a church. I don't care what right. he's done. I don't care how great of a speaker right. that person is. Makes no difference if God didn't separate them into the office of a pastor, not a church. It's not one. Now watch this. If Now if they're not performing the functions of the church, setting the rule in the area, having power and fruitfulness, winning souls and making disciples, right? Uh, growing in the word and in their discipleship. These are kind of like the four main areas. If they're not doing that, they are not performing their function as yeah. a church. And God God wants us to be at a place that that is doing those things. Now, you could be in a church that is growing in that. They know those things, 
They're new. They're not as good at them yet, but they are heading that direction. They are growing in that. They do have a pastor that God has ordained for that. Uh, You'll also find that a proper church generally is going to be founded on the apostles and prophets. So you're going to see generally an apostolic work and a prophetic word in a church to found it. But you also see that that apostle and the prophet really helps. They see things black and white. And so they really will set the foundation. Uh, they'll help keep things clear. They'll yeah. help keep things in that in that place. But the church is founded on the apostles and prophets. Now, that, that's a twofold meaning of that scripture. One, what I just said is a part of it. The other part of it is the prophets of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New Testament. When that, when that came together into one plan, you saw the launching of the church in Acts. Yeah. So it's, it's both of those things. But you'll see that apostles and prophets, many times with them and their nature, things are very black and white. And the reason why they're black and white is uh, you would not want foundations of a very large building uh, to be rounded. You would want them square. You would want them straight. You would want it sure. You don't want uh, wobbliness in yeah. that foundation or else the whole building is eventually going to fall. The apostles and prophets help to keep that in that way. That's part of what their job is. And uh, so then you have evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And when you go into Ephesians 4, it says that all of these, the fivefold ministry is given by Jesus. It's called when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. Yeah. Those are called the ascension gifts. And then you see that those ascension gifts are, let, let's just read that, read Ephesians 4 and like verse 11 through, I think it's 15 or 16. Just read that because you really see what the church should be doing. And if it's not doing this, uh, then it, it's a problem. All yeah. right, go ahead. Uh, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God uh, to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Okay, so we see teaching, training, equipping, uh, deception is going away, and our maturity and our lives should be disciplined after Christ. Now, you'll notice that Christ was disciplined after the Spirit. What was Christ not disciplined after? The flesh. So a church, we, we literally at Boomerang are you know, making a shirt that says, my flesh hates my church. And uh, it's, you know, the reason is because if you have a church that constantly is catering to the flesh, there's a problem there yeah. because the flesh and the spirit are always at war with each other. And so if you see that a church, quote unquote church, is always catering to the flesh and the flesh of the people, there's a problem there. Yeah. And so one of the things that we've seen is 
we've started to cater to the unbelievers. Now, I want you to watch this. When he says, this is a major point about church, is when he says that ecclesia, the word ecclesia in uh, Matthew 12, when he says ecclesia, it's a group of citizens, not a mixture of citizens and non-citizens. It's a group of citizens, right? So what we've done in our American society to help, to quote-unquote help people, and, and but what we ended up doing was catering to our flesh is, I'm going to take the responsibility of you winning souls off of you. Right. You just bring people to church and we'll win them to the Lord. Right. And it was a great business plan, but it was not a God plan, you see, in that way to change that. And then, of course, if you have a bunch of unbelievers that are coming in, they're not going to understand spiritual things. They can't yeah. until they get born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. They can't understand spiritual things. And so then it looks weird to them. So then you have pastors uh, you know, backtracking right. from the Spirit. So now we've taken the responsibility off of believers to be soul winners. We Now we've taken away the move of the Spirit in there because we... we had the wrong people, we were attracting the wrong people. It's not meant to be a group of a mixture of citizens and non-citizens. It's meant to be mainly a group of citizens. If an unbeliever comes in, that that we deal with that, and that's where we need an interpretation. If an unbeliever comes in or an immature person and we have a word in tongues, the gift of tongues, that's when that comes in. But ultimately, church is basically supposed to be a place, a, a, a growing place for yeah. believers where they, where they are trained and equipped and, and given the things of the Spirit and taught how to win souls and yeah. taught how yeah. to make disciples and yeah. not get blown around by every wind of doctrine. Yeah. And so that's what a church should be. If, you're, if your church is not that, it's a problem. Now, and here's, here's a catch, though. We have, because we've set up a different atmosphere in, in America now, and we've literally dumbed down our message to people that are spiritually immature, now the maturity level, think about this, the maturity level of people that should be here is now here. And when, think about this, Think like just look here at my hands, right? If this is a hundred percent maturity level, if if this is a hundred percent maturity level, then and our we've dumbed down our maturity level to say ten percent. Then if a guy comes in with good words, not spiritual, but good words that that feels like it's an eleven percent, that person seems to be above par. But they're still at 11% of 100, right? And so we see somebody that's 11 to 20% that's a little bit higher than what we know, and we think they're awesome. And people be like, I got the greatest pastor. Is he actually a pastor at all? He may have a gift of exhorting but never called into the office of a pastor. He's just gifted in speech. That's exactly what Paul says not yeah. to do. Well, and right? that's something that started to happen yeah. with me is I had lots of different people tell me and prophesy to me that I was supposed to be a pastor. Even outside in our parking lot, I had yeah. different ministers try and do that. Yeah. But I was never a pastor. I was just 
there was an anointing on me, yeah. and because there was an anointing, they immediately tried to shoehorn me in there. Yes. And praise God, I had one that taught me, I showed right. me I wasn't, but right. it's super easy to do. Yeah, well, and, and America is so pastor, what I call pastor-centric, yeah. that that's exactly what they do. As soon as somebody rises above the norm, they're like, you, you got to call a ministry on you. No, they're actually acting like a regular believer right. that wants to grow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, and, but we've been at so, such a subpar level, a normal believer sticks out. Yeah. Right? And then, and then we want to shoehorn them into the office of a pastor. You got to go to Bible school and you got to be a pastor. No, no. Yeah. You might just be a believer. Right. Yeah. Like a regular believer. It, all right. <laughs> I'm about to say something. Um, if you take a, uh, the cumulative level of pastors in America and you took an actual Bible level believer, right? What does Mark 16 say about a believer? They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They cast out devils, speak with new tongues. If, if something tries to hurt them, like if they get poisoned, it won't hurt them. Yeah, That's a Bible believer. That's not a pastor. That's not apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. You take a, just a Bible believer, Bible level believer, he would whip the mess out of every every... Uh, average pastor yeah. in America, because the average pastor in America doesn't even believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah. I'm not joking. He doesn't believe in the Holy Ghost. So a Bible believer, right, just a believer would do more than your average yeah. pastor in the pulpit. Yep. That doesn't mean that you're that you're supposed to be a pastor. It just means that God's really gifted us, and the pastors, yeah. you know, in as a whole, yeah. have the quote-unquote pastors, many of them were never separated by God. Yeah. And, you know, they've dumbed this down, and now people don't know. You actually start preaching the truth, then, and, and people are running from the yeah. truth because they don't, and they're running from correction. They're running from discipline because they've not seen it in America yeah. as a whole. And if you actually start teaching people what they should be doing according to the Bible, they're like, that's just fanatical. Well, right. no kidding. The Bible is fanatical. I mean, it, it is. Jesus, the king of kings, dropping his, his throne, leaving his throne, that's fanatical, yeah. you know. It is a passionate fervor and belief. You know, even when we pray, that fervent prayer, that's a boiling prayer inside yeah. of somebody. See, we've started, the society has talked down about these terms, but that's not what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. We're actually supposed to be rising yeah. in our fervor and, and our uh, passion towards Christ, not drawing away from it. You know, a buddy and I were having a conversation ahead of time, and one of the things that we're seeing is all of society is being taught to just, you know, go along with the crowd. Uh, this Bible does not go along with the crowd. It doesn't, and if you adopt yeah. that way of thinking, <laughs> yeah. if you adopt that way of thinking, it's going to be a hard road yeah. trying to be a Christian because that not, that doesn't work. Yeah. So. Well, what, what was coming to me, and you kind of were alluding to this already, but when it comes to, like, ministers or, like, people with the title of pastor, yeah. I've heard you say this before, a lot of them are actually, you know, should be an evangelist. And yeah, the, and that, I was just wondering that—that's probably why a lot of churches are catering to unbelievers because 
They might yeah. have a, a call to reach unbelievers, but the Sunday yeah. service is not for that. Yeah. You think about it, if you have a variation of a salvation message every Sunday, the, are the believers actually being built? Or are they being stuck in a foundational yeah, that, place, yeah. which, which you read about in Hebrews 3 and 4? Correct. Right, where he's saying, at this point, you all should be teachers, but, yes. but you're still feeding on milk. You're still on the elementary thing because you're not moving forward. And, Correct. And that message might be the very thing that unbelievers need, but the church is not the place for that. That's for like a crusade. That's for yes. like, some, like yes. a community thing. But sometimes, you know, like, oh, I have a call for ministry. I'm assuming I'm going to be a pastor, but it could be an evangelist. Correct. Evangelistic yeah. calling. And I, I know some people who are pastoring churches that should be ev yeah. in evangelism and should be evangelizing. Most, most, uh, most people in the office of a pastor wrongly that are actually have a gifting in their life, um, but they're not a pastor, but they're, but they're in the role, they're sitting behind a desk, but God never made them a pastor. Uh, are either people that wanted to do good, that generally it falls into four different you know, categories. They wanted to do something good, and somebody told them that's what they should do, and they believed it and didn't know anything about the calling and separation of God in yeah. an office. Uh, two, it's an exhorter. They have a gift of exhortation, yep. right? They have a gift of exhortation. Uh, they can speak well and exhort people, and that's the word that makes us feel good. Yep. A lot of your mega church, not every, not everyone, but but. And when I say this, I'm not saying everybody's doing it wrong. It's not. There are many people yeah. doing it right. I'm saying the majority have missed this because this has not been taught. Honestly, uh, years ago when I started asking about the fivefold ministry, I started specific. There was one point I asked about the apostle. I went to four different pastors asking about the role of the apostle. I got four different answers. Yeah. And, and when I came away going is, you guys who are supposed to be leading, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. You have no idea. And and I realized that I needed to get in the word and dig it out myself because I didn't know anybody personally that knew. Yeah. Right? They didn't know. And so there's, you know, it's that kind of thing. There's not been teaching on this. So people have made assumptions. They've gone with with logic, but not with the Holy Spirit leading and directing and guiding. They haven't submitted to things. And because of that, they, they run off with some doctrine. They form a new denomination. It's called all kinds of problems. So many problems. Instead of be, finding people that actually know what they're talking about, they operate in these things, and, and they can lead you and guide you. But then you have to listen, because I can tell you, every person that God has connected me to has told me something to change that I did not agree with before they told me. But they take me to the word and say, here's where it is. I'm like, oh, man, I got to change. Yeah. But see, if I'm in pride, I don't want to listen to that. And yeah. we need that's why we need leaders in our lives that actually have fruit to back up yeah. what they say and the word to back up what they say. So most people are either they want to do something good, they think pastoring is right. Two, they're gifted as an exhorter. Many of your largest churches will have an exhorter because it, that can lead to an emotional thing, and people are drawn. They're, they're so driven yeah. by the soul, the mind, will, and emotion that they're drawn to that, so they can work up a crowd into that. Uh, Brother Tracy, he preached yesterday in South Carolina. I was listening to it some this morning. One of the things, uh, I think it was Bishop Butler that had told this story that he heard, 
And uh, he said, watch this. He said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get them riled. I'm going to show you how to rile up the crowd. I'm going to talk about cornbread and beans, you know. And that, he didn't preach. He didn't preach scripture. Everybody's whooping, hollering, amen, hallelujah. Like to me, that you're you're on the verge yeah. uh, of some major problems here. You, you know, you're on yeah. the verge of, of being a complete hypocrite. And uh, what's the word when you step over across the line in that? I'm trying to think of it. But anyway, Bad. you're... Huh? Bad. Yeah, bad is a good one. <laughs> heretical. You're heretical. You're oh, on the you're you. on the verge of heresy, <laughs> trying to pretend. You're you're on the verge of heresy, pretending that this is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And especially when you ahead of time knew all you're going to talk about was something worldly. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of people are moved by emotions and not by the spirit. Well, yep. what's funny is a lot of people don't want to be super emotional. Right, they don't want to fall into emotion. They see the trap of that, and another group will fall after emotion left and right. It's not supposed to be either one of those things. It's supposed to be led by the spirit. Right, and so the people that are need to be moved by the spirit are missing yeah. it on both sides because of the mind, will, and emotions on one, the mind, will, and emotions on another. An exhorter, which is a godly gift, it's mm-hmm. a godly gift. Yeah, but many people are. Uh, solely moved by their emotions and the mind, will, and emotions instead of the Spirit of God, which is what we're supposed to be growing in. And because of that, they people will flock to that person. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, you can get an exhorter, and they'll they'll preach good. They'll preach a logical message. They'll preach an emotional message. Uh, they'll exhort people, but that doesn't mean the Spirit gave them that message in that way. You know. That doesn't mean that that's a message that's supposed to be preached. Paul said, I don't come to you in convincing words of man's wisdom or persuasive words of man's wisdom, right? And when I when I craft a sermon around and it draws you to an emotion, that emo- not the spirit, but the emotion makes you move, then that's a crafted word, convincing word of man's wisdom. He says, but I come to you in demonstration and power. And he said, the reason is that your faith won't be in those words. You know, the faith is not in emotional words. Faith should be in the power of God, right? And even if it's an anointed message that the exhorter brings, like I, I... not in cockiness, but I know I have a gifting of exhortation within me. And there have been different moments where, you know, I have had things come to me and I've gone to you and I've said, I've asked you if I should release it. And it's not for Sunday morning. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for something else. It's yeah. for something totally different. So it's yeah. not that there could be. He just gave it to you on Sunday morning. It's yeah. not that it couldn't be anointed in its delivery, but the people yeah. don't need on that Sunday morning to hear solely from you know, somebody in these different giftings, they're there to receive primarily from one of the fivefold giftings. Yeah, That's yeah. why they're there. So just because yeah. you may be an exhorter or any of these other things that the Lord says does not mean that you're not anointed, but that doesn't yeah. mean it needs to be released that Sunday morning in the house where there's a shepherd who yeah. oversees it. And let me let me say something on that because this is a this is definitely a deception I've watched people fall into is They'll get a word from God, and it really is a word from God. Or, or maybe it's not, but they feel like it, right? But they get a word. Their responsibility is complete yep. as soon as they take it to an elder yes. in the church. You know, the pastor, whatever. 
because what the devil says is this word has to be said. God yes. gave it to you. Yep. And what he's doing actually is causing you to be a usurper of authority. And he's tr causing, he's trying to get you to divide. And even if it was a word from, because you can actually have a word from God, give it to a pastor and the pastor is not moving on it. But the moment that you usurp authority and go around their authority right like that, that's a, a much bigger offense than not getting that word out that day. Yep. That's a much bigger offense. And if somebody has a, as a pastor has a responsibility and you give them that word, <coughs> your hands are clean yep. because you delivered what you believed you yeah. should deliver. As soon as you deliver it, it's in there. I've done my part. If, yep. he, if he doesn't use it, she doesn't use it. That's on them, not yeah. on me. I did my part. And so people, the devil will try to push people. That, no, you, God gave you this. Yeah. People need to hear this. And they'll, they'll actually step, they don't realize it. They actually step into the control yeah. of a demonic spirit by letting that spirit push them in that area. Yeah. Uh, they might have even heard correctly the word, but you don't do that. Well, right? and... It, with that, not to, because this is not the teaching on yeah. that, but one thing that came up to me as you were talking is that doesn't mean that you shut down believing for it either. Like there, recently, there oh, yeah. are things yeah. that the Lord's shown me in service yeah. and I'll just pass it to pastor. And years ago, knowing that I had to do it in that way, I had in immaturity come on me the thought of, well, pastor can just hear them. Like he doesn't, he really doesn't need me to hear. No, like he can hear no, from that's the not true. And yeah. that's not the way it yeah. works either. Every joint supplies, but it's yeah. not my responsibility to dictate the flow of the service. Yes. I give it to you yeah. and trust that the Lord's going to do whatever needs to be done. Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's all you have to do. And, and many times if somebody's right, I'll, I'll say, Hey, come and deliver this. Or I'll say, Hey, we just got this word. Sometimes I'll say their name. Sometimes I won't depending on how the Holy Ghost leads me in that moment. Yeah. Um, but don't be worried. Relax on that stuff. Just relax on it, you know. And uh, you don't have to force feed things. Yeah. You know, you don't have to force things in that way. So you'll see the, the four areas where people generally mess up is, number one, they want to do a good deed, but God never separated them. They have a gift of an exhorter, but God never made them a pastor, right? Um, the... The next thing is they actually are an evangelist, you know, or not just the office of an evangelist, but they carry an evangelistic yes. gifting, Yes. right? Whether the office or not, they carry an evangelistic gifting and because they're evangelistic at heart and they're gifting, you know, everybody should be an evangelist. Everybody, everybody should be an evangelist, right? But... There is a gifting for those things, yeah. and uh, it's really interesting when somebody's gifted to be an evangelist, like they give up and give an altar call, and I, I start watching this, and I've gotten better at it, and I've, I've learned to lean on the Spirit better in my altar calls and evangelists, but you, you watch an evangelist, they'll get up there and say something, people just start running yeah. to the front, I'm like, how? How did that happen, you know? And uh, just, it's a gifting that's yeah. on their lives for that moment for those things to lead people to the Lord. So you can see somebody that's an evangelist, and then you know they start winning people to the Lord, and they're like, well, you must be, you got to be the pastor. And then that person will get up in the pulpit wrongly, 
and what you said, buddy, they'll give an evangelistic message every Sunday, yeah. and now all of a sudden, now watch this, all of a sudden we think church should only be an evangelistic message. But where's the rest of the training? Yeah. Right. Where's, where's the living life to the full? Where's the, the prosperity yeah. to have yeah. an abundance to do the yeah. evangelism, yeah. right? Where's, where's the rest? Where's healing? Where's those pieces? Yeah. So you, you can see how it can get off, right? And the last one is a teacher. Yep. Now, a pastor and a teacher are not the same, but they, they can operate similar. A lot of times you'll see a pastor will be a good teacher, and they'll have a gift, they'll have a gift of that that accompanies their shepherding. But the main gift is a shepherd, a shepherd. That, and if you think about a shepherd, that's where the giftings will line up. And so you'll see a teacher, and they're a good teacher. They're a good teacher of the word. Maybe they're in the office of a teacher. Maybe they're not, but they're gifted at it, and people put them into that pastoral right. office. So those are the four areas that you generally see that somebody's actually there. You know, I remember one time we had a pastor, and it, and it was exactly that. They were spirit-filled uh, pastor and um, in a Baptist church. And to me, I mean, I think that they grew in their ability to pastor, but if you if you asked me and I had to give you my heart, they were an evangelist. They were an evangelist. That's who they were. And every Sunday, people got born again. And that went well for about two years until you got to some pastoral stuff and you needed a pastoral gifting. Yeah. And then it got hard, right? Because there wasn't a grace for pastoring. There was a grace for, for, for that. So I really believe that every church ought to have several people that are gifted evangelistically, gifted uh, in teaching, and the offices here as well, uh, gifted several people that are gifted as a pastor, right? And a lot of times you should see these people like leading life groups and things like that because that's what that role yeah. is in that way. Um, and you should see the work and the ministry of the apostle and prophet in it, yeah. uh, specifically at its foundation and its activation, it should be there. Yeah. There should be that word. So you would want to see, we need all five of those in the life, in our lives to help us be well-rounded. So in a church as well, you're going to want to see, you're going to want to see that operation. Like if all you ever have is a pastoral gifting in your church, you're missing a lot of other offices yeah. to train and equip the believers to do the work of ministry. You want all of those offices, you know? And one of the things to watch is a pastor, like you can have people that, that actually operate in different offices. So they might be a pastor at home, but you get them on the road and they operate in the office of profit. Yeah. Or, and at home, sometimes they may too. Or they operate in the office of apostle or a teacher or even an evangelist. So just because they, they have a church and they're in the office of a pastor doesn't mean that's the only office right. that, they, that they operate in. And uh, so you'll see that people, we want to have, people make mistakes about this because they don't understand the flow and the inner workings of them. Um, so one of the things that you see, and this is one of the main thing, amen, Brooklyn says, uh, this is so powerful and important. Pastor John says a lot of times people will get a, uh, here, read Pastor John's first second comment. 
a lot of times I've seen or a lot of times I've seen people get a word for them, but they want to release it yeah. for everyone. Yeah. They get a yes. lot of word from many they, times. Yeah. yeah. It's a personal word. Yeah. It's not to everyone. So yeah. Um, so then I want I want you to see this. I want you to put in the comments six fruits, six biblical fruits that every believer should carry. Six biblical fruits, all right? So the first biblical fruit is intimate fellowship with God, intimate fellowship with God. The second one is healing, right? Or excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about salvation. <laughs> Six biblical fruits. The first one is intimate fellowship with God. Then you should have power. You should have revelation, right? Uh, then then you're going to want to see, I need to find my list here. Then you're going to want to see the fruit of the Spirit, souls and disciples. Yes. So you've got intimate fellowship with God, winning souls, making disciples, power, revelation, and the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. That's the order. Intimate fellowship with God, winning souls, making disciple, disciples, power, revelation, and the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, sir. All right, now, so what you see here is that every believer should have intimate fellowship with God. But this is not just fruit for every believer. This is the fruit that every pastor should be carrying. This is fruit that every church should be carrying, right? So the, this is biblical fruit that is required of us, that God says, this is what you should be carrying, and this these six categories help us to receive all of those things and encompass everything that we should be walking in. So you should see it in believers, you should see it in the pastor individually, and you should see it in the church. If the church or the pastor is not carrying that fruit, then you need to question whether or not that's the right church for you. And the reason is because if the church is not carrying the fruit, yeah. if the church is not carrying the fruit, then why are you going there? To learn how to not carry, have fruit? When John is, uh, when in, in the book of John, it's so very clear in his gospel where Jesus says that if you don't have any fruit, this is a major problem, right? Yeah. You should have fruit. Yeah. And, and he talks about cutting off limbs and throwing them into the fire because they don't produce fruit. This is, we should bear much fruit, he says. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we are bearers of fruit and we should not follow somebody who's not having fruit. So you look at Hebrews 6, 12. It says, follow those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises or they're manifesting the fruit of God, the Amen. promises of God. If you have a leader who's not manifesting the promises of God, the Bible's clear, don't follow them. Find somebody who does. Find somebody who's manifesting the fruit, right? Yeah. And so if you have these six areas, uh, and I'm not saying that you can't, you wouldn't have some that are stronger. Like I'm sure you could go to some churches and winning souls and making disciples is stronger than other ones. But they're designed to all go together, yeah. right? And so we should all be growing in these all the time. 
right? So let me, let me say them again. Intimate fellowship with God, uh, winning souls, making disciples, power, revelation, and the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Okay? And if you find somebody that's not operating in these, that should be a red flag not to follow that person. And if you're in a church that doesn't have these, now this goes back to the, to the, the problem that I said before, because if we are actually, you know, if we're on the scale and we're actually operating down here and we should be operating up here in fruit on this level, but we're seeing this fruit here and just a little bit, a little bit above all the churches around us, all of a sudden, we think our church is doing it right. Don't use other churches around you or other people around you as the scale. Right. Use this word as the scale. Yeah. Use this as the standard. What did Jesus do? He said, you'll do these things in greater. Are we doing those things? Are we doing the things that the apostles did, that the disciples did? Remember, it wasn't just the apostles that were in the 70 that went out and said, hey, had Jesus even devils will listen to us in your name. Right. They'll come out in your name. So you had not just the apostles casting out devils and operating in power. You had the 70. You just had disciples that were casting them out, right? And so you start to see this is supposed to be what it is. And then it says in uh, second, first Timothy, or I think it's 2 Timothy, First, uh, Second Timothy 3, and then you see verse 1 through 5, and it says in the last days, and I think it's 2 Timothy, it says in the last days, and then it says men will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They'll deny the power that's in godliness, yeah. right? And, and I'm, the Lord's really had me saying this a lot recently is that denying the power doesn't mean that you just speak against it, right? That you don't agree with it. Denying the power means not walking in it because the power is released. In other words, the only reason that power doesn't actually manifest is I block it in some way, whether I talk about it bad or not. So if I'm not having the fruit and I'm not manifesting the fruit, then I on some level am denying its ability to do what it is designed to do, right? Right. And so you don't just want people that agree, yes, we, we should see healing and healing is good. Okay, when's the last time somebody got healed, right? Not, not you know, do you believe in healing? Right. Because you can mentally believe in healing but never see the power. You're denying the power because you've never let that revelation get into your heart, Yeah. right? You've kept it in your head. This kingdom is not a kingdom of logic, of the mind, will, and emotions. It's a kingdom of the spirit of man, the core of man, and we let, it, we let ourselves have complete mind renewal to it where there is manifestation, not just talking about right. it. And so he, says, he goes on to say, if you've got, they have a form of godliness, but if they're not walking in the power of it, they're denied the power of it, avoid such men as these. Right. So the Bible literally tells us in two different places Follow the people that have fruit, and they need to have fruit in each one of those areas on a regular basis. And if they don't, they need to actively be growing in that, right. talking about it, preaching it, and because and, if you're not preaching on these things, you're not going to see them. So if I'm not preaching on the people are not going to get faith to have fruit in those areas. So let's say that I'm slacking a little bit 
in uh, uh, the power fruit, right? If I'm never preaching on the power of God, then I'm not moving towards it. Right. If I'm not preaching on revelation, supernatural revelation, then I'm not moving toward it. It needs to be a part of our preaching, needs to be a part of our speech. You need to see it in the church. You need to see it in the pastor. And you need to start seeing it in the people, right? You need to see it in the people. One of the greatest moments of a pastor that I've had is like what happened this past weekend. I didn't even put it together. I, I didn't even suggest it. Yeah. People just decided, we're going soul winning. Yep. And we had about 20 people go out and soul win without my direction and and won 40 commitments to the Lord, Amen. right? 40 commitments and, and what, two hours? Two hours because 20 people from the church are hearing that preaching. They're seeing the importance of it and who they are in Christ and went out and prayed with people yeah. and led them to the Lord and had 40 people commit to Christ. Amen. Yeah. So glory to God. Now, this is a this is what we should be doing. Uh, looking at those fruit real quick, you have intimate fellowship with God. At a church, you should have that pastor uh, should, be, should be in an intimate fellowship with God. That should be obvious. Another thing is you should see the intimate fellowship at the church corporately, right? The corporate setting should draw people into the fellowship with God. It should draw people into that place, right? Uh, it's like at the end of Sunday, we had multiple people that you could just tell, and some people told me, <clears throat> they're like, Pastor, I just, I could feel God pulling me into that. That's him pulling us into an intimate fellowship and a commitment with him. That's some fruit of that, yeah. right? Uh, you see, you do see people uh, commit to the Lord. Some people come in, they've never accepted Christ. Some people come in and they're recommitting. But we see that all the time. Yeah. We see it all the time. Winning souls. We should be the kind of people that win souls, you know, uh, that we're leading people to the Lord. I, speaking of, I need to I need to put one on, on the list. I Amen. just led somebody yesterday to uh, commit to Christ. Um, so we need to see that on a regular basis. We need to see discipleship happening. In other words, if, if the people are always facing the same problems and never growing past them and out of that, then, then discipleship is not happening on, on the level that it needs to take place. A disciple, discipleship is a discipline of people. If, if people are, are irritated because you go longer than you did last week, that is not a disciplined person. That is not a disciplined person. That is, that is a person who is moving and making decisions on their own flesh reasons, but not for spiritual reasons yeah. and, not, and not for Christ. Yeah. Well, that's not a disciple, right? And think about that. Just using that right there, how many churches are actually making disciples? Yeah. Crickets. That's what I'm saying. And so now when you, when you actually see, then you actually see a church doing this, it stands out. But it also looks fanatical because most churches aren't doing it. Because there's so, fear. So we need to get used to, we need to change the culture of the church. Jesus never told us to go and adopt the culture of the world only so we could then take them to the culture right. of heaven. No, he said bring the culture of heaven into the earth, yeah. right? 
And we, and we have to see. Our job is not to make an excuse for the culture of heaven. Yeah, I know it's a little bit crazy, but there, there's some good in it. You know, one day, you know, maybe you'll grab a hold of it and get it. No, it's right. It's truthful. It sets people free. The culture of heaven is what we want. It makes all this garbage go away, right? right? Uh, the next one is the power. We need to see healing, miracles. We need to see the power of God all the time. Yeah. It needs to be happening all the time. We literally, we have, we generally have somebody healed every week. It happened again yesterday. Happened last week. Happened the week before that. That it happens all the time. You know, we saw somebody healed, and not just at the church. It doesn't just need to be at the, at the church house and at the altar. Yesterday, we're at a restaurant. A waitress falls, and uh, she's she's crying like she hurt herself. Right, I start praying with her. It doesn't seem to get better right away, but I prayed with her. I, I know I released that anointing. I go back and talk to her five minutes later, and she's like, yeah, it's getting better. I can I can tell. That anointing's working Amen. in her at the restaurant. Yeah. It's not like it was holy. There was people all around me cussing, you know? And it's like, it's not like it's a holy place. No, but we are a holy people, right. and we're designed to carry the power of God. Your church, your pastor needs to carry the power. Amen. It needs to get the power into people. We need to have revelation, spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge. You know, we we need to have that and have gifts yeah. of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, gifts of prophecy. We need to have supernatural revelation showing us what to do, when to do, connecting it with I see that you had this problem in your life. Yeah, that was the devil. It shows somebody. God sees that. He knows you. He's here to help you. We need to have the gifts of revelation and the fruit of revelation yeah. in there. And then, of course, the gifts of the Spirit, which honestly is one of the least, this is one of the gifts you see the least in most churches. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control. I'm missing Faithfulness. one. Faithfulness and self-control. You see all of these should be an operation in every believer all the time. But it doggone sure ought to be in the pastor. <laughs> if the pastor, you should see these things yeah. in the pastor in that way. Now, that doesn't mean like gentleness. Notice that, that Jesus, did he ever sin? No. But, but what about when he drove the money changers out of the temple? I mean, he, it doesn't seem like he was gentle. His ways are higher than ours. <laughs> <laughs> But here's, here's what we see. My point is we have an earthly idea of gentle, right. but his gentleness was you're about to hurt yourself. I'm going to make sure that you understand this, this path will lead to destruction yeah. in you, in your heart, and maybe even eternal uh, destruction. This is a gentleness now yeah. compared to what's coming but he was also led by the Lord. Yeah. He, had, he was led by the Holy Ghost in that moment. So a lot of times we will, we can, the devil uses reason to try and get us out of place and do the wrong thing. Well, pastor wasn't gentle with that person. You know, I, I watched one person one time, I was at a meeting um, with Ted, uh, Ted Jr. And we were at a meeting and uh, he was praying for people and the meeting had gone a little bit longer than I think they were used to. And about that time, a family got up in the back, and they were kind of walking to the door, and, and they looked a little 
a little bent, yeah. you know, a little, a little bent, a little prideful. Yeah. And and he was gentle with him. And and he said, Hey guys, if you'll hold on just a second, I'll pray with you before yep. you go. He said, If you'll hold on just a second, I'll pray with you before you go. In other words, I'm letting you know that I would be happy to pray if you yeah. gotta go, if you have to go for some reason, I'll I'll pray with you. Just give me a second, let me finish praying yeah. here. That's what he was saying. And the guy go, nah, we're okay. He said, well, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. And uh, and there was people that didn't like that, you know, because they felt like he wasn't gentle, you know. Well, what about when Jesus said, nah, let the dead bury their dead? Yeah. You know, what, what, what about when he said, you whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones? Yeah. The blind leading the blind, and both of you will go yeah. into a ditch. Most people don't realize that what he did was a wake-up. Like Correct. if they would have it had was, ears to hear, they would have realized, oh, I'm missing something. There's a reason this man of God is telling that's me this. Right. I need to humble myself. Like the woman that Jesus called a dog. You know, Correct. these crumbs aren't fitting for you. Like not even a dog is worthy of it. What, Whatever the yeah. quote is I'm not thinking of properly. That, when you say stuff like that to me, because you've said things, yeah. not that, but things like that to me, it's a moment for me of, I'm it's an alarm it. clock. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's a wake-up. It's an alarm clock to help you recognize the severity of the moment. You know, even like the lady that, um, you know, and, and here's the thing. He didn't call that lady a dog. No. But our brains go there. Mm-hmm. They're like, he called her a dog. No, he gave an example. Yep. He gave an example, a perfect example of that, and she actually identified and said, hey, if I fit that example, fine, but I still need a crumb. Yeah. Right? And he, what he actually did was he opened up, he used a perfect analogy. He didn't call her that. He used a perfect analogy, and he opened up a door of humility. And if she chose to walk through that door, even though the promise was not for her, he opened up a door of humility and faith that she could walk through. And she chose to walk through that thing and not be offended. And her daughter got healed. Yeah. Right. And, and who knew that the father did? He's like, look, legally, this is not really for you now. Yeah. He said, legally, this is not really for you. Son, say this. Now, I, I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but I've been in situations like that before, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to say that. But I don't know that God's actually setting up a way for that person to have humility. Yeah. What would most people in America do in that? They'd be like, how dare you? I can't believe you just called me a dog. You know, I didn't right. call you a dog. Right. You know, And so they'll miss their opportunity for the power of God to hit their life because they're so offended by things. And the reason is because we've been operating at such a low spiritual position that we don't even have a clue what's actually going on. Yeah. And that's because a lot of times we've been in the wrong church. Well, and We've been in the wrong church. A shepherd has both a staff and a rod. You know, a lot of people as sheep, we enjoy the grooming that comes as sheep, you know, being yeah. pet and having our coat Yeah, that's what we want to think about. Yeah, but when it comes to the, sh- the staff and the rod, one is used to grab us when we're about yeah. to fall off the yeah. edge, and the other one beats back the enemies. Yeah. And it doesn't feel yeah. always great to our flesh when we're being jerked back to the right place. But, but what's we're alive. better, falling off yeah. the cliff and dying? Yeah. Or just the momentary light affliction yeah. of, ah, oh, that didn't feel good. 
it's never going to feel good because no. it's flesh. Well, and I had, and, and see, these are the things that trip people up. They get them, they'll get offended at, the, at a real pastor. They'll get offended at, but they'll let the one with the slick talk hold them in bondage for the rest of their life yeah. because they talk good. Yep. That's messed up. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. It's very wrong. He disciplines those that he loves. We were talking the other day, Mark and I were uh, having a conversation, actually we were having a conversation in the car, but I was talking about the anointing of a father, the gifting of a father in our, in our lives. And one of the things that we see is that, and so these are things you want to look at at church. We're actually going to go a little bit different direction after we ask, answer that question. But the anointing was on the full answer here of what are you looking for in a church? Am I in the right church? Your church needs to be on fire. Yeah. It needs to be carrying the fire of God. If it's not lighting people up with a passion for the Lord, you're in the wrong church. Yeah. If your church, and this is a direct command, should you ever, think about this, should you ever, I'm going to get back to the father thing, but should you ever follow a man who, who or a woman in a church, a pastor, who directly is disobedient to the Lord's command? Should you? But Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. You shouldn't be in a church that the pastor is not filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and be being, that command actually is be being filled. Be being filled, right? You shouldn't be in there. And the truth is, almost all of us have been in a place where we've not been walking right I'm not talking about just ditching somebody, but if you bring that question to them, they should be able to say, you know what, I, I need to be filled more often, and, and you're right. That's, what, that's a good pastor. That's a good pastor. And, you know, and one of the things that you see is that's a direct command to every believer, not just pastors. Pastors should be higher than that. Yeah. They should be easily walking in these things of the yeah. Spirit. So you want a church on fire, you want the pastor and the church to be filled up with the Spirit of God. We need to be seeing the power and the fruit. And if you're not seeing these things, yeah, you're in the wrong church. Yeah. And this is the one thing that Jesus actually, he has a problem with. If you're not seeing the power and the fruit, biblical fruit in that church, he's got a problem with it even being called the church. Yeah. Right? He, and we just have them everywhere. Now, part of them, they're getting shut down now because they had no backbone. You know, they have, and they're, what they thought worked didn't because this works. Yeah. Philosophy doesn't, right? And so you're seeing a shaking of that stuff. And uh, the Lord had me prophesy back in 2006, very pointed prophecy yeah. towards that. And we're seeing it now. I thought it was for then. Oh my goodness, it is so much for the last couple of years. I knew it was kind of starting then, but man, it really came to pass in the last couple of years. It's time for the church to be what it's called yeah. to be. And if that church is not doing that, then then you need to get in another church finally. Because where God has placed you, you'll flourish. Yeah. See, God has placed the members. Here's the other thing, am I in the right church? How did you make the decision to go to that church? How did you make that decision? Because the Bible says that now God has placed the members in the body or in the church just as he desires. So 
if you made the, the decision to go to a certain church because your parents always went there, that's the wrong reason. Right. If you went, if you decide to go to a church because, you know, I can get in out, get in, get out, and have the rest of my day, that's the wrong decision. Right. If you go to a church because, well, I just like the message and I feel comfortable there, that's the wrong decision. Well, if I go to church because my kids really like their children's ministry or their youth ministry, wrong decision. Like all of those things can be okay on some level, but none of those are a decision for make, for going to a church and planting yourself yeah. in a church. And uh, the only reason that we should go to a church is we hit our knees, ask the Lord for wisdom, and he showed us this is your church. Yeah. And then we go to that church. But now watch this. Is he going to contradict himself? No, he's not going to contradict himself. So he's not ever going to tell you to go to a church without power. Yeah. He said, avoid such men as these. Yeah. He said, follow those who have the promises manifested. They're constantly seeing the promises of God manifested. So he's not going to tell you to go to a church that just has a good message. Yeah. You know, that sounds good. Now, if you listen the last couple of weeks, we'll talk about knowledge and how you know knowledge puffs up and all of a sudden we think we're doing right, but we're not. We need wisdom from heaven. We need the anointing to bring about knowledge, not philosophies and traditions, right. vain traditions of men. So it, these are all things where we need to examine it and make sure. And, and then watch this, though. I, I, we were talking in the car about the gifting and the anointing of a father. Just talking about like dads, you know. And um, if a dad is operating in what they need to be operating in, they are not going to make their kids do everything. They're not going to force them into everything. But there is an anointing on them to help you break through a blockade in your life. Amen. And so they will, as long as you will allow them to, they will take you by the hand and drag you, if need be, through the blockade right. and help, and they have an anointing to bust through that. True, a true father does. And uh, so, for, exam for example, uh, when I was young, I played uh, football, and I played it one year. I wasn't a huge fan. Of, I did end up enjoying it. But uh, that day, I I'm, I'm, had the dream of the game and football and touchdown passes and end zone dances and all that kind of stuff and Nerf football in the, in the yard. And then all of a sudden we put on pads and we went out on our, my very first day of football, my very first day of practice, and we're sitting there and they put me in the safety position, uh, which is basically a defense guy. Don't let anybody get by you. Tackle them, right? I'm like, okay, I think I got this. And uh, I was pretty fast, which that helps in that in that position. But uh, there was a guy a year older than me, and um, I, I knew I was in trouble when the running back came through the line, and instead of dodging me and trying to get around me, he, he turned his eyes like this and went straight at me. And I went, uh-oh. And he ran all over me. It was my, like the very first play it's like my first play of football ever, and this is what happened. And I mean, he trounced me. He trampled me. 
And I get up from there. I'm like, I don't like football anymore. My lips bleeding. I'm crying. Like I'm, I'm like seven years old. I am crying. My dad's there at practice. He takes me. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> We're done. I don't want to play no more. Like, let's go home. He said. He said, son, no. He said, you, you. When you make your word and you give your word, you have to finish it. And I yeah. know that right now you don't want to do it. But if you'll give yourself to it, if you will give yourself to it, yeah. you'll find out that you you like it, you'll find out, you'll enjoy it, and you will get better at it, but you can't quit. Yeah. Now, I, now think about this as a teenager and as an adult. And think about it, it gets worse. So the older we get, the worse most people are at this. As a kid, I trust my dad. And so I'm going to give myself, okay, dad, you're telling me this. So I kept playing. Ends up, I was pretty good safety. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I didn't play football the next year. I liked soccer better. Uh, I just enjoyed the sport better, and I enjoyed what I did. But I did end up enjoying it. I actually had fun. I'd, I'd run people down, tackle them. Uh, I you know, didn't get, I recognized that you know, getting the running back running straight up at you was a part of the game. I, I never thought that was a part of the game, <laughs> but I found out very quickly. And uh, But I played that whole season. I ended up doing pretty well. And But praise God, my dad, with his gifting and anointing, didn't let me quit. Yeah. Now, as a teenager, you feel like you have more of, a, of an option. Well, I don't have to listen to dad. I, got, I can make my own mind up now, right? And so a dad has an anointing to break you through boundaries as long as you will give it to him. But then as we get to be an adult, man, there's no way we're going to humble ourselves to another person, another man. I can make my own decision. Well, you hear the pride in that. Yeah. And yet that's where most people live. Like as a teenager, it starts. And, and the teenager will only have the anointing of a dad to break them to new levels as long as they'll yield yeah. to that father, to yeah. that dad. They have an anointing to do it. A dad has different than a mom. A mom can do it, but there's a difference. It's like a natural gifting in a father, and a father will help you do it as long as you'll submit to it. If you won't submit to it, they can't, and a good dad will completely back off until you desire that yeah. again. Well, that's the way it is in the church. A good pastor is not going to sit there, a good pastor is not going to make you do something, but as long as you will allow them to take you by the hand, they will break you through yeah. the limits that will hold you back, and you'll shoot for the stars. Amen. And, and God has anointed pastors to do that as a spiritual father. And the thing that and we said this the other day is, what you don't want to do is if you're breaking through that and that spiritual father has is, is got upward momentum and carrying you, don't be a drag on it. At the very least, go into neutral. Even if you don't feel like you have the strength and the know-how and really the desire to break through, at the very least, don't pull back. <laughs> don't make it hard on them. Go into neutral. That'd be much easier for them to break through that. But the best thing to do is say, okay, what well, you're telling me, it's not ungodly, it's not unbiblical, but I need to do this in God's place placed you in my life, I yield to you. Not only will I you know, not pull back on you, I'll run with you. Yeah. And then think of the limits that you can break in your life. 
But now think about that. You're only hitting those limits because you don't have the power to get through them yourself. Yeah. And you, or you didn't know that they needed to be broken through, right? So you either didn't have it yourself or you didn't know that it needed to be broken. That's where you need the wisdom and the anointing to break to those new limits, which takes a yielding of the person yeah. to a spiritual pastor, spiritual father in that way to break through. There's an impartation. And then the more you do that, the more you get good at breaking through those limits. This is what a spiritual dad does. Yeah. This is an anointing that's on their life to help. So now think about that in comparison to the church. How many people want that? They've been taught by the world, you're your own person. You make up your own mind. You can do this. You can hear from God yourself. And it's, and it's pride, 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 and no grace because grace comes with humility. Grace and greater grace comes with humility. So people have instantly, because we've taken on these this philosophy of the world, yeah. we don't want a pastor telling us what yeah. to do. We don't want the discipline of that stuff. And, and we don't realize that we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we just shut down grace in our lives. But a good pastor is not going to make you do that. He's not. He might not even call you. He'll let you go off and pout. Yeah, true. I, if somebody's pouting, I'll let them pout for years if they want to. Because as long as you're pouting, I can't help you anyway. So I'm not going to force myself on you. You get to the place where you want help, yeah. then I can help you. But I can't do it in, while you're in pride. And if you're pouting and in pity over, over yourself, you're actually in pride over those things, thinking that there's no help and, and I don't like this person. And you're fighting against the system. You're pulling back from God's way of doing things. Yeah. And so, see, this, this kind of, uh, look at our society. Look, here's what I just said. You know, if you're pouting, I'll let you, I'll let you pout. I'm not helping you, right? That is anti-society today. You know, it's like, let, let the kid pout. We were in Walmart the other day. I'm not kidding. A, a kid started screaming at the cash registers. Nicole and I walked back to the far corner, and it was so loud back there, it was still hurting my ears. And, and, the, and the kid was just letting them, or the mom was just letting them do that. Just letting them yell and scream and really irritate everybody. No. Everybody in the whole store. And then somebody told me, they said, that's what they tell you to do in the parenting magazine. Don't, don't interrupt their, their cry. Let them cry. The heck? Like, yeah. no. No. That's wrong. Spare yeah. the rods, spoil the child. You correct it. What you just did is you created child abuse in not disciplining that child. And you're listening to a worldly philosophy yeah. instead of the wisdom of heaven. Yep. I'm not saying beat your kids. I'm saying, but you do discipline them. The word says that you can spank them and they won't die. No, it does say that. Like that that's yeah. not me exaggerating. That's the Bible. Yeah, that's that, Proverbs. I know. It, it literally <laughs> says that. And it's like you're not going to kill them by yeah. disciplining them. No, and you're not going to warp. You're not going to warp their personality by correcting no. them and disciplining. You're going to warp their personality by letting them throw a tantrum. Yeah, their personality doesn't know what it is yet. It doesn't know. It that's your job is to teach them how to think towards yep. that, not let their emotions run run rampant. Yeah. And so, but now think about that. That's our society. The reason I bring that up is that's our society. 
and then you get into a real church with a real pastor that really has an anointing to break you through and your life go up to the heights and stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And that pastor starts bringing the correction of God and he starts telling you these things and your flesh has a reaction to it and you run from it through a temper tantrum because we've listened to the corruption, yeah. corrupted logic of the world. So we've got to realize what a real church is and what a real pastor does. Quit playing games with all yeah. this you know, worldly philosophy. It's garbage, yeah. absolute garbage. Amen. There's freedom that comes. You know, like, like if I if I never learn how to put down my flesh, if I never learn how to submit to spiritual authority, I'm not going to be equipped to live the life that God's called no. me to live. You know, no, like it's going to make life harder. Yeah, yeah. L- literally. Yeah. It, Ephesians four. The purpose of the pastor is for the training of the saints for the work of the ministry. Right? Yes. And that's basically, the, the, if I'm not submitting to you, I'm not going to reap the benefits of being equipped to live, live life. Like, yeah. I won't be able yeah. to live a good life without submitting in that yeah. way. And, uh, and if you read in the Old Testament, it's very clear that rebellion is witchcraft. So, yeah. so yeah. if I'm not submitting, I'm rebelling. There's really no middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. either I'm submitting to the kingdom of God and his ways and submitting to the Lord, or I'm submitting to the kingdom of hell and entering into yeah. a dangerous place. There's, yeah. there's not a middle ground in that. Well, we've been taught that submission is a bad thing. Yeah. Listen, a worldly, a worldly understanding yeah. of submission is a bad thing, but a godly understanding of submission is one of the most powerful things yeah. in the universe. And so the yeah. devil has, first of all, corrupted submission yeah. and then taught people against his corruption, yeah. don't yeah. submit uh, you know, to those types of things. Don't submit to this guy who wants control. Of course not. Yeah. But he's taught it as it's the same thing. It's yeah. not the same yeah. thing. It's actually submission, humility and submission is one of the most powerful things in yeah. the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, Ted Jr. wrote a book. I remember when he was writing it and, and called Further Faster. And he was talking about, see, a child's submission to a, a father will cause an impartation. And that means they will be launched further than they could have ever done on yeah. their own. Yeah. And they'll start winning because of that <coughs> impartation, yeah. but it only comes if they submit, if they won't, if they won't do it. So the example he used was like in a, um, in a pool with his two kids racing, and uh, one would never let the other one win. And, he, and his younger, younger daughter came, and they said, ready, set, go. They went under the, the older one swimming as fast as they can. He grabbed the younger one and launched them to the end. And about the time the older one comes up, uh, for air, she sees the other one at the end already touching the, uh, the goal, right? And she won. She's like, how did that happen, right? But now think about it. What if the younger one fought him? Right. In that moment. No, no, I can do it myself. I can swim. I can swim by God myself. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Dad, no, I'm, I'm scared. I know. I understand that you might be scared. Let's put those fears down. Let me show you what you have capability yeah. of. Let, let's put those fears in place. What if they, the child would not have allowed that impartation uh, of a launching? And that's where we want to change our mindset yeah. towards that. But we, we've kind of shifted over into when you get into the right church, how to approach it properly. And the reason I did want to talk about that is that's what's keeping a lot of yeah. people out of the right church is they've never seen one. And when they, 
and or if they have, they've been like, this is just too, this is not good enough. This is this is not what right, you know, they shouldn't be telling me what to do. Have have you read the Bible? You know, <laughs> well, God doesn't say to submit just for submission's sake. Yeah. Like, that's not who he is. God is very purposeful. And so one of the things as you're talking about impartation, that's 100% a part and a yeah. large part of why submission and authority comes. But then there's also the structure of God and how things flow. And yes. as you're talking, one of the things that comes up to me was how, is how flippant our society is with maintaining connection with people you know after three or four years it's well I've heard all of these same stories I've gotten all their points I know I, I know what they're going to say so it's time for me to go find somebody else to submit to or yeah. someone else yeah. to submit to and then they're gone but you and I talked a while back about how you desire for people to raise up not that they're equal with you but that they raise yeah. up in who they are so that together together a mission yeah. can be accomplished yeah. and Correct. so yeah Submission and authority, when we're submitted, not just to a man, but talking about a church, when we're submitted to a vision, God gives the man and the church a vision and a pathway. That's where our livelihood comes from. My life does not come solely from you. You are an integral part. Absolutely. And I esteem you greatly. But my life the flourishing happened when I gave myself to the vision yes. of a body. Yeah. And the reason we submit is because the structure buddy just read in Ephesians is this is how God orchestrates it. There's a leader, yeah. there's a visionary that God yeah. gives a vision to, and then God sends members aside so that the vision as a whole can be accomplished because it's bigger than yeah. him. It's bigger than one. Well, the supply is there for the vision. Yes. Right? And so the flourishing, you're... you're Talking about uh, Psalm nine two thirteen, planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of heaven. That supply and nourishment is for the vision. Yeah. You know, he's going to supply. Think about it, an abundance for every good work. The supply is for the vision. The supply is for that vision. That's why when people stop having a vision, yeah, what what happens to them? They die. They die because the supplies for the vision. The supplies for that that mission. So when they stop having a vision, they pass away. And so when you give yourself to the vision, you'll find that everything you need is in that planting. Everything you need is planted in the body. We should be so much more more thoughtful and esteeming our planting in the body of Christ than we should our occupation. Because we'll have the right occupation and a blessed occupation from the planting in the body not the other way around. And you see people moving all the time. You'll see people moving for a church or to be planted in a church, but that's rare. I mean, we we have them here quite often, but that's because there's a vision. You know, they're drawn to the vision of what we're doing in that way. And uh, so get a vision, God will send you people, right? And get that vision, hear from heaven what your vision is if you're a pastor, but find a pastor that has a vision. Yeah. But then also, um, you know, you'll see people all the time. They very rare will they move for a church in in our society. But they'll move for their job just like lickety split. You know, they'll they'll pick up their whole family, change all the kids' schools, change all of their habits and routines, go to an environment that they don't like because of a paycheck and because yeah. of a job. 
What if we gave that same esteem to what God said to yeah. do in planting ourselves in the body? That local church is where yeah. our our livelihood and our nourishment comes from yeah. in that way. Well, so I was just going to say, a lot of times too, what I've seen is when people are raised up in a in a church after a period of time, like me, I've been yeah. here nine years at this point in time. Yeah. It, in the worldly church system, it would be very easy for it to say, okay, you've received, go plant now. Go plant a church or go help spearhead this yep. or do that. But I'm just now at a point where I can help carry the vision. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just now right. there. Like, it's not like I was there yeah. when I came. No, God raised me up, yeah. and I'm at a point where you can pass some of those things to me yeah. and you can be secure in that it's not yeah. going to fall because God's raised that. And if more people would stay planted instead of thinking the planting yeah. is temporary until the real calling comes, the church could do phenomenal things. That's that's where momentum is gained or lost when people actually mature to the place of realizing that their planting is based off a covenant, not based off of a spiritual resume. Yeah. Right? And, and so at this, it's like, okay, now I think I un- understand. You know, I, lo- I loved what you said the other day, buddy. You were like, I sent Pastor a question, and, he, and you said, I wasn't even going to send him the question. And, and, but, but I think Serena said, you probably should send that pastor. And he, and he thought, I know what he's going to say. And then I answered. And I, it, didn't, I didn't know what you were going to say. Had, you had never I, heard me yeah. say what I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it was different in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And then there was a second question, like a day or two later or something, that you thought I was going to say it this way, and I said it a different way. Yeah. And, or I said something else. And that's just it. Like, And how many things, you know, because knowledge doesn't come from just hearing the facts spoken. Knowledge comes from the anointing. Yeah. And so even if you've heard the same message, you know, for example... On Saturday night, Brother Tracy answered a question. Now, I've heard him preach very similar to what he did Saturday night. I've heard basically that message. Yeah. It was under a different anointing. But now watch this. The way that he did it, I've been asking a question <coughs> for about 10 years, and I didn't know what the answer was, but I needed to know what that answer was. Yeah. It got answered Saturday night. He hit a certain topic, and the Holy Ghost went, that's the answer you've been looking for. I went, oh, my goodness, I saw it. But I, I've heard that message before. But see, when I, got, when I humbled myself and got hungry, I received a flow because I'm planted with him. Yeah. You know, a pastor's a little bit, I'm planted in this local church that I pastor, but I'm, I have to have a pastor and I have to have spiritual connections and fathers. Yeah. And he is that. He's like my spiritual dad. So when I humble myself and I'm there and I'm hearing that, I'll get these revelations, which is, should be a fruit of mine anyway, but it won't be if I don't connect yeah. in that way. So I made a statement earlier that I want to say before we wrap up is I said that a pastor should tell you what to do. What I didn't say is that a pastor should control you. Yeah. There's a difference between telling you something to do and controlling. Right. You. There's a big difference between those two. Yeah. Uh, nobody should control you. That is the job of the Lord's leading. And even then, that's your choice to yep. either choose to love him or not. But the Bible does say that we should tell you what to do. We should show you what's right, what is God, what's not God. Tell people the work that they are to do yeah. in Exodus 18. 
We should say, you should do this. You yeah. should do that. Now, you doing it's up to you, and you following the leading of the Lord in that way, um, that's up to you. It's not, it's not a control in that way. So what I do is I'll tell somebody what they should do. If they do it, they do it. Used to, I got mad at it. The reason I got mad at it is because I was in control. But see, when I'm not in control, I don't care if you do it or not. It's up to you. Now, I might be hurt that you're hurt because you didn't do it. Right. Like, I might be hurt by that or hurt by a lack of trust, but it, but I'm not controlling you. In other words, it doesn't bother me if people, they do it or they don't. It's yeah. up to them, you know? And, and when you have that attitude, you're not controlling. Amen. So. The big difference there. So have you learned anything? Has anybody gotten something out of this? And has somebody learned, man, I, this is the kind of church I need to not be in, and this is the kind of church I do need to be in. Has anybody gained anything? If so, put a hands up in the comments, and uh, we just praise God. Have you all seen some things? Yes, sir. I know we've talked about a lot of these items before personally, uh, in person, but yeah. So. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Kevin says the list. So I, I'm not sure what direction he's going with that. You're talking about controlling getting angry if yeah, people didn't do what you do, said. Didn't do my list. Yes, my sir. list, yeah. Yeah, that's a pride and control thing. So, amen. Levi said, I know where I'm supposed to be. Amen. That's awesome. That's a great testimony. I love because he and I had a conversation several weeks ago, and I said, I said, if you'll just do this, I said, things will turn around pretty quickly. Yeah. And right now, they are turning around. Yeah. I mean, they're turning around. He's got testimonies already in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Things have been so different. I love watching that. And so if he just keeps doing those things, now think about how they'll start to pile on each yep. other. So, amen. amen. Glory to God. And Sherry says, learn so much. Yes. <laughs> Hannah says, so good. It's like, why isn't this the normal? It is here. The reason why it's not been the normal is because it puts pressure on people's flesh. And people are afraid of conflict, so they don't want to. They don't want to tell people what they should do. Uh, they don't want to feel that conflict. They don't want to look like the crazy guy, the crazy church guy. They don't, yeah. They're afraid. doesn't matter if it's God or not. They just don't want to look like that in people's eyes. And so that fear and pride and you know, thinking they already know stuff, not hungering and being humble, they start falling into these deceptions. So think about this. If pastors are falling into these deceptions, how good are they at keeping people out of them? Great. Right? And then how many people are deceived? And see, that was something that I had to figure out. Uh, something that I really had to figure out as a pastor was I didn't think it was this bad. I really thought it was, you know, decent until we started the church. And when we started the church, I realized because there were some things not adding up. If, if the church society is okay, this should be going differently. And it took me some years to actually see it and believe that it was so low from where it had been like when I was growing up. And I, we had to change our tactics and change our thinking towards yeah. it because it was so low. And uh, people, and it, I'll say it like this, as people were coming in, they were amening and hallelujah on Sunday and getting slaughtered by the enemy Monday through Saturday. I mean, getting slaughtered. And yeah. I'm like, what in the world? And um, so, yeah, <laughs> Kevin said, I want God. I just want him my way. 
That's today's church. He said, but not Boomerang. Amen. No, it's not Boomerang. <laughs> it's not. You come here, your flesh is going to get crucified and, and stretched and Wick. put down. And yeah, it's just, that's a part of it. We're growing. We're hungry yeah. for the things of God. So we love you. I hope that this has helped you. I pray that it has 